Hello, everybody. Welcome to yet another episode of the Carousel Podcast. Uh, day before Thanksgiving. I'm actually going to release this today, Nathan. I, that's something I didn't just oh. say to you because I want to hit that hot Balenciaga news cycle uh, while it's right. fresh, you know? Um, I'm here with one of my favorite people in the entire marketing world, uh, a man named Nathan Baker. Hello, Nathan. Hey, well, that's very flattering. Thank you. Nady Bakes. Um, definitely the favorite person I've ever hired. And I'll tell you something, man. I've hiring people is fucking impossible. It's especially for you know, Will. I run this based marketing agency, um, trying to be, and it's so hard to hire people. But you came out of the woodwork a while ago and are really, really good at what you do, which is communication strategy, communication strategy, strategy genius. Uh you uh, work yeah, for- yeah. Genius. That's a that's a little that's a little far. I wouldn't go that far, but I I do what I do. I do my job. I'm good at what I do. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm good at what I do. Um, and uh, yeah, you work for global brands, huge global brands. But let's not name any of them. But brands you would know. Um, and you specialize in China, China in the Asian yeah, market. Yeah. So um, a lot of brands you a lot of brands you don't know too from China. Yeah, those those as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, you could say I specialize in China. I mean, I I lived uh, in Asia for like ha- like literally half my life, probably actually more than half, because um, my dad was working in Asia when I was growing up. So I I lived in Taiwan and Japan when I was under eighteen, and then when I you know went to college in the states, and after that I decided to go back to Asia. So I was in China for twelve years, and that's when I got into marketing. You know, my my dad was was in marketing, and I didn't study marketing or anything, but I always liked. You know, the psychology, uh, kind of sociology aspect of studying people. Why do people do the things they do? Why do people think the things they do? How can you influence people, get them to, you know, get them on your side? That kind of stuff, like, interests me. So that that got adapted into a career in marketing. Um, and, you know, in college, I did, a, I did a little thesis on, like, consumer culture in China and stuff. So I had a bit of academic experience there but i'm not like you know i didn't go to school for marketing i just kind of got into it was at the right place at the right time this is when social media was really starting to boom and i kind of saw the the rise of the china side of that um and then saw the rise of chinese companies expanding globally so i sort of was there in the beginning when chinese brands really started to do a global push and i was working with a lot of them doing social media campaigns and things like that on a global scale. So that's kind of like my work background, but I don't live in China anymore. I live in the States, but I still work with folks in Asia, China, Japan, Taiwan, which is uh, an inalienable part of China, depending on your point of view, or maybe it's not. Um, our clients in Taiwan definitely don't think it's part of China. I'll, I'll just say that. Um, but I work with brands in Asia, um, global brands doing a lot of communication. It could be communicating to people specifically in the U.S. or it could be a global campaign that's like talking to people in the Arab world as well as Southeast Asia, as well as Europe. Or it could be, you know, really large scale. It could be more, you know, talking to people in, in Malaysia specifically. So we, we we cover a lot of ground. It's, it's um, communication strategy for how are these brands going to, communicate with people, be human. I find a lot of brands have this problem, especially the, a lot of the brands I work with in Asia who don't speak English as a first language, but they're trying to speak to English speakers. And they're coming across as like aliens trying to communicate to humans mm-hmm. or like robots trying to communicate to humans. It's just really off. So my job is to help them be more human, to help them 
connect with people, to make people actually care about what they're saying. You know, that's that's what I try to do. What do you mean make them care about what they're saying? What do you mean? Well, who cares what a brand is saying on social media? Like a regular person browsing Instagram, Twitter, they see, oh, a brand said something. Oh, I got to I got to read more. Click the read more button. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. really I'm really really tuned dialed in here with this brand post. <laughs> so, I mean, I think most people just kind of it's irrelevant to them. They cruise past it. A lot of these brand managers, they sort of think there's this narrative they're creating on social where it's like, oh yeah, we're going to do this post and then people are going to see the next post and they're going to see the next post. No, no, they might see one of them. They might not see them all. So, you know, you got to understand how people use social so you can use that to your advantage and, you know, um, make an impact, make an impression on them um, when they do happen to scroll past you, you know? So why is all of brand Twitter so woke? We're, we're going to get into Balenciaga in a second here, but since you're bringing this up, why is, so for example, there was a really just parodically hilarious tweet um, yesterday from the NHL, where the NHL is saying, Trans women are women. Trans men are men. I can't even read this without laughing. The NHL, who you're imagining is like, you know, some grizzled, like, guy with slicked back hair and, you know, fucking eerie Pennsylvania or something. You know what I mean? Like, you're just imagining the N- the person of the NHL. And then yeah. they tweet, trans women are women. Trans men are men. Non-binary, non-binary identity is real. This is the NHL saying this. Like yeah, nobody brought up non non-binary. Yeah, yeah. How does this happen? Why why is every single brand tweeting this fucking garbage? Why are they doing this? Well, it's it's a very Western world thing. Um, like the brands I work with in China, they have no interest in any of this stuff, or even Japan for that matter. A lot of the brands in Asia, they just are not interested in any of the woke stuff. It just doesn't resonate with any consumers there. Uh in the West. I guess has been ingrained in our culture. It's been pushed. Um, and a lot of the, I guess, marketing world is influenced by people in these hotspots like New York city. And they're all in the same little place. They all have the same, like they, they share a lot of the same opinions and share a lot of the same culture. So you end up getting this sort of monoculture that's very, you know, influenced by people in this one little place in one part of the country. I feel like that's that's a big part of it. You know, it's not everything, but you know, that's that's why you're seeing all this everywhere. All these and it, you know, a lot it's a lot of the it's not just advertising, it's like PR as well. So I mean I, I I'm guessing all these PR agencies, they're working with all the same brands and they're giving them all the same advice. And so you're seeing a lot of the same stuff out there, you know. So who is actually tweeting this? Is there some 22-year-old? So as we both know, we're both in charge in both of our jobs of creating like brand guidelines decks. Mm. And these are the kind of principles that all of the brand expression, including your tweets, come from. So for example, I recently was given for a freelance gig a 60-page deck for a brand in America a uh, large entertainment brand that we all know. And, you know, it it lays out the guidelines of what are, what's our social campaign supposed to look like? What are our principles? What are we supposed to talk about? And it was all woke. It was a hundred percent woke shit. Like they they were like, you know, every example of a tweet that we should be making was like, we support LGBTQ plus filmmakers <sighs> or, you know, Women power for International Women's Day. Like literally, there were no brand expressions that were not woke. 
And this brand has nothing to do with woke stuff. It's just an entertainment brand. So somebody is for one, somebody higher up is making that agenda come down. Right. Yeah. And then, yeah, for sure. so who's doing that? And then who's doing the actual tweeting? Is there some like 23 year old PR person who's sitting around tweeting for the NHL who is getting a deck that says like, let's trans women are women. You should talk about this for the NHL. Like it, who is doing that? So if I were to guess, I would say there isn't a trans women or women like guideline in the NHL social. If I were to guess, there isn't like something that specific, but I think they have a social media manager. I, I can't tell you how old they are, what they look like. I mean, I could guess. I, I would assume they're in their 20s. They're probably younger. I'm not going to call them an intern. Sorry. Somebody's yeah, no, not an intern. About that. I got yeah, I don't think that that's yeah, like kind of that old meme. It's like, oh, what intern tweeted this and is going to get fired now, blah, blah. Yeah. But yeah, probably somebody young who has those beliefs and they thought they would insert those beliefs into the NHL's uh, uh, Twitter experience or whatever. I, I don't know. I mean, I would guess that that's true, but I, I'm guessing they probably have the support of like senior management or something. It's like, well, we're, we're not going to make them delete this because there's nothing controversial about what they just said. We should support this. So, I mean, there's probably some kind of brand value where about inclusivity and all that that would protect yeah. this person tweeting that, even if it wasn't, you know, kind of the normal thing they're supposed to say. But it got a lot, it made a lot of noise. And I think a lot of social media managers, especially like American brands on Twitter, they take risks, you know, they're a lot, they're a lot, they yeah. take a lot more risks than the brands in Asia do. Um, and sometimes it gets them in trouble. Sometimes they go viral and everybody's talking about it for two days. And, you know, then we move on, on to the next thing. And then somebody else goes viral, you know, it's it, it, that there's that kind of room for risk that I think brands in America like to play with. And then a lot of the time it's like, you know, just some kind of tedious woke stuff and here we go again. And I don't know, it's all very boring to me now. A lot of that, that kind of that style of, brand communication the woke stuff well like brand twitter that's what this is called it's like sassy yeah. yes queen brand twitter that's like woke and mm -hmm. you know, gay voice and uh <laughs> you know and it, i think what's just i think uh the nhl was sponsoring some kind of trans hockey league oh uh, and so that's why this came out that's that's what well, this is about so uh you know it's, right. it is taken a little bit out of context but it's just so hilarious because it's like, who is getting to these people? Why is support sports such a place where this um, agenda can find roots? It's like, it seems like every sporting league, we'll get to this later in terms of all the ridiculous things that World Cup teams are doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, it just seems like sports is, is a place where this agenda can find purchase. Yeah, it's it's a little overboard. And like I was saying, it's like it's tedious. I feel like the average consumer sees this and they're like, again, really? Like you're still go still on with this? Okay, can we can we can we have some entertainment or something, please? Like well, so part of it though, and this brings us to Balenciaga, is they take these risks, you know. Uh what what was the big brand that tweeted, like, have you tried eating ass? <laughs> oh god yeah who was that yeah I, I i know what you're talking about it's probably one of the fast food brands or fmcg they're always the ones right. tweeting the nasty stuff yeah 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 or the really you know feisty stuff and or like the postmates bottoms menu you know like this really yes queen shit um so 
part of the reason they do it. Oh yeah, it was PBR who tweeted about eating ass, and then that guy got oh. fired, and then it's like now <laughs> his whole thing is he's the guy who tweeted eating ass, and I'm sure he like gets big you know contracts because that. So um, I I think that these PR sort of flare ups are intentional, right? I, I mean I think in a large part. The reason they're taking risk is because they want to be the center of the news cycle for 48 mm. hours, right? And it doesn't seem to actually hurt them. You know, it's like there's always these, oh, you know, of course it was trending uh, when, um, what was this other one that just happened uh, with, what were we, oh yeah, Tampax. This Tampax, oh, yeah, Tampax yeah. just tweeted, uh, you're in their DMs. We're in them. We're not the same thing saying, you know, it's like, oh, sassy, funny. And then there's <laughs> the, the, of course, there's the, you know, boomer con female hashtag boycott Tampax in response, yeah. right? Which trends on Twitter. The bottom line isn't damaged. They don't ever, you know, they're like, oh, their stock price lost $3. That's $80 billion this week. And then it goes back up the next week. They don't actually... Yeah face any consequences for this stuff and it makes them the center of the news cycle for 48 hours so how much of this do you think is intentional i think the smart like the smart planners out there it is intentional you know and i think they do that with a lot of movie promotions like when a movie's coming out like there's always the big oh it's another woke movie reaction all the youtubers start making the videos they fire up the you know, the YouTube and start uploading all that. So I think there that's part of it. It's like, how do we generate noise, um, you know, to to get, you know, word of mouth? How do we how do we increase our share of voice by 10 percent on this movie release? You know, they're asking those kind of questions. Well, it's like, well, why don't we create a little controversy or something? But, you know, we have our guidelines or do's and don'ts for the controversy. We, you know, we're not going to be racist. You know, we're not going to be that. kind. We're not going to do like a Kanye controversy kind of situation. You know, you can no. generate a lot of noise in a lot of different ways. So there are you know, it's not like they're just doing anything. It's like they're they're being very specific. Well, they they're being gonna... left. They're being yeah, left. Yeah. They're taking extreme left wing risks and zero right wing risks. Right. So it's oh, like they're they're yeah. willing to say the gayest thing in the world. And, and oh, we know the, they they like seeing the right react that way. They like seeing yes, the right the do the boycott thing because then it trends on Twitter. And this brings us to Balenciaga. So there there's a big uh, Balenciaga controversy going right now. And when I see this controversy, I see this completely as Balenciaga being the marionette behind the scenes, knowing exactly that they're going to piss off the right. They're going to piss off you know, all the conservatives, and that's exactly what they're going for. So can you tell us uh, about this Balenciaga situation? As yeah, you are so, a fashionista maven, as yeah. we know. Yeah, yeah, you know me. Um, <laughs> well, Balenciaga, they made this uh, holiday campaign recently, and they had, like, some little toddlers, like, posing with some accessories, I think purses and things like that. And they were, like, S&M themed. And they're all these little... SM references and accessories and other things in the room with them. There's all sorts of stuff. Now, the big thing that got people all worked up was like there's some document in this ad that that refers to some child porn case. And I, I think that was actually from another campaign. Like I read something trying to like debunk this. Um, and they said like that was from another Balenciaga campaign. So there's a separate Balenciaga campaign that had like this child porn criminal reference. That's just kind of in there. It's like this piece of paper that's on the table, like in a purse is on top of it. And there's this other campaign with children 
around a bunch of S&M toys and stuff. So, like, I don't think that gets them off the hook at all. Um, you know, what's the creative director thinking, like having kids in that kind of environment, that kind of message? And even if it is on purpose, if, hey, we're trying to make some noise, it's like, uh, what 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 cost? And, uh, what, you know, what kind of message are you sending? It's just really gross. And um, I've never bought anything from Balenciaga before. I definitely won't um, ever. They just seem like a really gross company to me. And and the, the thing that gets me is the the whole thing with with Yay. I was I, I dead named Kanye West earlier. Um, it's Yay, right? <laughs> so Yay, he was you know excommunicated from Balenciaga. They even like left Twitter to protest Elon Musk supposedly. Like they made a big stand there. And then this happens, you know, so it's like they're trying to virtue signal or trying to like, oh, look, look at our values. Look at our strong values. We know when to draw the line. We know when to make a stand. By the way, check out this ritual child abuse. Yeah. Right. So, like, yeah, this is gross. Uh, yeah, I'm not, not a fan. Not lose, a fan of Balenciaga. Yeah. They're willing to lose how many hundreds of millions of dollars with their very successful yay partnership because he says something that still nobody seems to be able to say about Jews besides that they run Hollywood, which they do. And everybody knows this. It's like, there, there's literally a book sitting on my desk by a Jew. Well, you're Jewish. You, you're Jewish. Yeah. You can say that. You say, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I mean, you yeah. can say it too on here. It's fine. You're, you're allowed. You, you get full uh, J word pass. You're <laughs> on the carousel. The other J's but, might not agree with you. Though. That's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> well, fine. they're idiots. So, you know, it's, it's like, there's a book literally sitting on my desk that somebody gave me called How the Jews uh, Created Hollywood. <laughs> you know, it literally says the Jews on the book and it's by a Jew. So it's like the idea that we're supposed to pretend that that's not true. It's also Kanye's not saying let's kill the Jews. He's not even saying anything really offensive. He's literally just saying dumb shit. He's a rock star. So because of this, Balenciaga is willing to... Uh, lose hundreds of millions of dollars in stopping this this thing and then a week later they have this 48 hour you know child sexualization timeline yeah. and then they have this you know a very well laid out apology and i think even in a, mo a subsequent apology they've said oh we're taking legal action against the person that did this as if kind of hinting that oh somebody did this without permission inside the company which i don't fucking buy yeah. i think this was in a way a response to Kanye. You know, I mean, it's like, I, I think I, I know this is a conspiracy and I have absolutely no evidence for this at all, but I feel like this was almost like a fuck you to Kanye. First of all, I think it was totally intentional. They knew that doing this was very subtle. They knew that, you know, maybe they didn't think anybody was going to see that child porn reference on the other ad. But it's really fucking weird that they have that in there, you know, like they're, yeah. they're, they're showing that to somebody. Right. Somebody is a creative director that, approved yeah. it. A right. creative director had to look at this and be like, yeah, I'm signing off on this. I'm putting my name on this. Do we know um, what that looks good. Was, what, what the case was that was referenced? Do we know like anything about um, it? We could look it up real quick. Um, I don't want to create any dead air. Um, no. How about when you're talking at one point, I'm going to look it up. Look I'm going to be like, hey, well, remember that case, case we were talking yeah. about? Yeah. <laughs> some case involving child porn. Um, and... I think this is intentional. I think it's like, you know, we saw that tweet or that, that, uh, did you see the message that his creepy ass trainer sent him Kanye that was basically saying, yeah, that was yeah. Insane, creepy right. and evil. 
Right. If you don't shut your mouth, we're going to like, you know, throw you in an insane asylum and take your kids away. So, you know, that's what this power structure does. It destroys people. You know, I mean, that that's its goal. You know, read again. I always tell everybody to read uh, Catch and Kill, Ronan Farrow's book. And Ronan Farrow's book does an incredible job of showing when this system wants to destroy you, how it acts, you know, because Mm. Weinstein, you know, black block, this Israeli, you know, a a personal espionage organization. There's all these like canceling forces that do creepy shit, right? They send you creepy things and, you know, they try and manipulate you and make you feel crazy. And when you start going against them, right. And uh, like, for example, did you see recently um, there was a, Andrew Tate got canceled. He was Mm. one of the ones who really got canceled, like mega canceled. He got kicked off every single platform. Um, You know, Andrew Tate, right? Yeah. 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 I've known, I've, I've, I've uh, known about him for a while. And he got labeled a misogynist by the ADL and, you know, was, was simultaneously suddenly canceled by every single platform. And he talks about it and it wasn't just like getting kicked off Facebook. His Uber got canceled like immediately his like Apple like ID got canceled. His bank account got frozen and shut down all in the same day. Yep. So who is making that decision? You know, like who who is doing this weird, creepy shit behind the scenes? Somebody is doing it, right? I mean, there's some co- coordination. And so I feel like Balenciaga wanted to say like a really special, like, fuck you to Kanye. Fuck you to Kanye's like, Christian beliefs, you know, he's out there basically saying this satanic globalist force is coming for your children. He says this. Didn't he also say he didn't, he didn't, he wanted to get his kids away from the modeling world. Like he didn't want his kids involved in that. Yeah. Right. He says that. And so I feel like this was them saying like, you know, around Christmas, our holiday campaign is going to be about fucking kids, you know, like I, and we're going to get away. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, so, and not, not only that, they get all this PR. This is what annoys me about my fellow, my fellow frogs on Twitter, you know, or my fellow right wing people on Twitter is they're like falling right into the trap. They're, you know, they're all up in arms and like, oh, they, they keep posting, uh, see, Balenciaga apologized. This is what um, what happens when you put pressure on. I'm, I'm like, yeah. your pressure did, didn't do jack shit. They're saying that, uh, oh, they were deleted their Instagram posts. They always delete their Instagram posts before new campaigns. You know, all you did is give them a bunch of new publicity. You think <clears throat> you think any of these right-wing people are buying Balenciaga shit? No, no. Just yeah. <laughs> the people buying Balenciaga shit are on their side. You know, they like this. They love this shit. It titillates them. You know, they don't care. So it's the, the brand, the brand for elite pedos. Exactly. So it's like all you did was fall exactly into their trap. And I'm just like, oh, my God, like what you should have done is just completely ignored it. That that's what would have pissed them off the most. But we're falling into it here, talking about it even more. So, well, I wouldn't want to ignore it. I think we should talk about it. I think you need to face evil and I think you need to talk about it. I don't think you should give them a pass after their stupid little apology, though. Their little apology was really weak. Like they didn't really address like how disgusting what they did was, you know, and they didn't. They they had no explanation. Well, how are we gonna have safeguards for this in the future? Oh, like whenever they like <laughs> they're doing in the it agency on world, they don't. I mean, the idea that we're expecting them to be responsible, they're doing this on purpose. They, this wasn't like a mistake. Oh, whoops! 
yeah. we accidentally made an entire photograph campaign. We found the models. We, you know, like they found child models to do this. You know, they, it's not, this isn't something you just like slip up and do. It's not a single tweet. It's not the eating ass tweet. You know, this is like yeah. a difficult photo shoot. They had to print out this child porn case and put it under the bag. It's for sure. Yep. I think it's like all kind of a tet a tet against Kanye and, you know, kind of like Christianity in general. They're saying like, this is, we can get away with this. Ooh, spicy. Yeah, spicy. I mean, look, I, what I will say is sexualization of children has always been the provenance of high fashion. You know, they've always kind of, this is a, a line that they've always flirted with, right? They always, they get 18 year old, you know, they find these models as young as they can possibly get them. And, you know, they want these super skinny, youthful people, you know? So it's like, this has always been kind of something that fashion messes with. And what's our- Yeah, it's true. Yeah. You know, like what's our biggest taboo right now? Our biggest taboo is like pedophilia. So it's, this is where they go in order to kind of like seem, you know, in order to titillate and, and freak people Ugh. out and be dark, you know, which is terrible. It's disgusting. Do you remember there was a really ridiculous and terrible- Levi's ad like from actually back in the day that was like totally sexualizing children it was like really no I don't remember yeah so this thankfully I didn't see that one yeah yeah let me try and find it but you know what are they gonna do next I mean they're just gonna go on same old thing right like there's gonna be no real consequence for them I think right like like you're saying no 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 yeah they yeah, it's just yeah, me it's just me who who wasn't gonna buy them anyways definitely not gonna buy them now you know yeah 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 this was like a levi's i think it was like 90s it was directed by some thing it was like a serial killer it was like literally like uh maybe it wasn't levi's it, but it was like it was like a it looked like it was a person like uh oh yeah this was it this is this band dad in uh yeah and it like looked like it was from the perspective of a serial killer like shooting somebody they were about to like kill you know like snuff porn it was like a snuff oh my god it was like a like the beginning of a snuff video was this uh along with the release of eight millimeters starring Jack yeah, exactly uh, like, sorry, like, uh, like nicholas cage yeah. yeah 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 here it is i'll put it in the in the notes it was uh yeah, it was really, really gross, but it was kind of trying to do the same thing. Um, anyway, uh, so as as a communications person, like, have you ever come across one of these kind of like intentionally? Because you're doing it in Asia, so it's like they don't mess with this stuff. But have you ever seen anything that was like intentionally trying to get bad press? Um, my, most of my clients are very risk averse and, and wouldn't want to do that sort of thing. But there, I had one very small client early on, like when I really started to get into social marketing and, and when I lived in Shanghai, there was a book called Shanghai Cocktails, C-O-C, C-O-C-K tales, like, like a, like a dick, you know, uh, really gross, kind of trashy name. It's like supposed to be like, you'd think it's like some sex pat book, like about some guy who travels abroad to have sex with women, you know, that's what you're going to expect from it. That's, that was kind of the marketing of the book. So they, they needed somebody to help market this book. And it, it was very sexualized in how it was, 
how it was presented. Now I read it. It was, it wasn't that sexual actually. It was just kind of like, Oh, this is what it's like to live in China in the early two thousands as a guy, as a, like a white guy. And I mean, it was it, some good stories. I found it kind of relatable because I lived in China for a while, but they were very uh, into doing whatever we recommended they do. And we were, we were messing around with like this, the sort of China English literary scene. There's all these people write these blogs and at these like local publications about, you know, books about China and things like that. So these people all like scoffed at the Shanghai cocktails. Like that looks like trash, you know? And um, so I was pretending to be the author. Like they let me pretend to be him for marketing purposes. And I was like emailing all these people doing book reviews. And I was just like pestering this one guy. And eventually like I wore him down for months and he, he ended up reviewing the book just out of like trying to get rid of me, you know? And he did it and it was, a, it was a horrible review. So we ended up making this video. Um, we ended up making a response video to him and, it, and we made like an ISIS video. Like it was like, this was like the height of like ISIS videos, you know, at the time it was like 2015. And so we had like a guy with like a mask over his face and like, he's like kind of talking to the camera, giving threats. And we did like a voice changer and we added this weird element of this like Chinese chick with like a low cut top, like cutting carrots, like right behind him. We added this weird, bizarre, <laughs> ele weird, bizarre elements to it. You know, and and we made that response video and he was just like he got such a kick out of it. He wrote like a response to our response video. And he's like, you know, that book was trash, but this was pretty funny. How they responded. <laughs> you know, so we, we generated some noise for this book and like people were still sort of talking about it like years later, you know. So that was a really fun project to work on. Not a lot of money, but like there was so much freedom and so much like it was so like gorilla and underground feeling. Yeah, that was like one of my favorite projects to ever work on just because it was like it was like trolling, you know, it was like professional trolling. How did they so, uh, hire you how did this like how did how does a book like that have a budget to hire like a pr agency my boss knew a guy who was helping promote the book who's like kind of this like american mover and shaker real estate investor in china and he was he didn't write the book but he like knew the writer he's like buddies with the writer and he was helping sort of do a lot of the business management so he he knew my boss my boss uh kind of put me on this project and that's how it all came together you know nice very cool yeah um yeah so i don't know any final thoughts on this balenciaga thing it's it's disturbing but i i feel very baited like i feel like the you know i i really i mean it's like one thing to have get up in arms about it but it's like the people really need to learn that like yo your boycott shit your pressure it doesn't do anything no no one cares nobody's gonna not buy balenciaga you're, you're not hurting balenciaga by tweeting about this in any way you know yeah, it's just it's more like morale building for our side versus their side. It's like, look what they're doing over there. Can you believe that? Yeah. Come on, let's get fired <laughs> up, guys. Like, look at them. You can't they can't do that. You know, so it's 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 more like cheerleading almost for like right versus left cheerleading. I feel like that's what a lot of these moments are. It's just like it's like a rallying point, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. So what do you think? I mean, do you think that they actually are run by pedos? Or are they just doing it? I mean, like, are these guys I think they're, around? Are these guys I think there's some pedophiles? I think there's some pedos in some of these companies. I heard a story. I can't say who it is. I mean, I probably should just to admit, but I can't verify the story. That's why I don't want to say it. But yeah. there was a guy who worked at a very big foray agency in China. And I heard stories that he used to go to Sri Lanka to have sex with little boys. I heard this story. Um, and I wasn't sure if it's true, but I heard it from a very... Um, trustworthy source who worked in the industry and kind of knew everybody in the ad industry in asia and yeah um 
I think there's, there's a lot of creeps in a lot of these companies who are high up and, you know, they're psychopaths or something. And, you know, there's that whole research about how like a lot of CEOs or a lot of executives are psychopaths and, you know, a, a psychopath might not have a problem, you know, having sex with a child. So there you go. Well, and it might also be kind of like a word is bond thing, you know, it's like how men traditionally bond over you know banging women it's like uh there there when you get to that level of power there is something to the idea that they're bonding over this ultimate taboo you know it's like they, they they can do the ultimate taboo they've done everything else they have the power to do whatever they want and like this is the one thing they can't do you know so it's like that you know as, as pizzagate you know going back to pizzagate like do I think that there was actual children in the basement of com you know cosmic pizza or whatever the hell in uh comet 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 pizza yeah. do I think there was actually like children tied up in the basement of comic pizza or what is it cosmic fucking com comet comet, comet pizza comet ping pong in DC yeah. like no I don't think Hillary Clinton is you know actually injecting a adrenochrome but if you look at the Instagram posts of the guy who was running Comet Ping Pong, he was for sure signaling pedophilia. Like it was very oh, yeah. obvious, you know. Like it's like he's a real go creep. back and look at his shit. It was like there is no person that could look at that and not be like, okay, this is really fucking weird, you know. Like that that doesn't prove anything, you know. What is the maybe he is just a creepy pedo, mm -hmm. and you know he that also happens to be a hangout of DC power players, whatever. You know, I think a lot of lines were drawn that weren't there. It actually ended up implicating a friend of mine. Um, no, that's how I found out about it. I was actually way ahead of the Pizzagate curve because. I had written an article about a friend of mine for an old client and we started getting like thousands of hits on this article. And I was like, what is going on? And I like back to trace the backlinks and I found the Pizzagate conspiracy that was on Reddit then, which mm. is like, that could never exist now. Right. The I Reddit followed. Yeah. I followed that subreddit. Yeah. I was yeah, on there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That could never happen now because Reddit would just ban it right away um, because they're owned by Condé Nast. But um like I know this good woman and she, they were trying to like say she was involved and like this woman is absolutely has, you know, she's totally not involved in an international child sex ring. Like I'm certain of that. Um, yeah. 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 A lot of that Q, Q stuff, like, you know, there's a lot of things Q didn't say in those Q drops that sort of the people who followed Q, they kind of built on what Q said and made up theories. So a lot of those Q conspiracy theories, there aren't even things that, the Q person said, you know, it's just like stuff the community said, you know, so a lot of these, these things, they, you know, they get all these different voices and a lot of dumb people chiming in and, you know, they don't have very good information. So you get like a bit of truth mixed with a bunch of shit and then it, you know, it, right. it, it yeah. devalues, devalues yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. You get like a kernel of truth, which I think was yeah. that, that in Pizzagate, it was this one guy's Instagram that was involved with it was really, really creepy. And like, he clearly was signaling yeah. like in, in, in different ways. And then you look at John Podesta's art collection, which has Jeffrey Dahmer. Well, it was his brother, John Podesta's, but John Podesta's brother, I think it was him. With no, I think it was his. Collection. I think it was John Podesta's art. Wasn't it John's art collection? It's his brother. It's his. It's his fatter, creepier looking brother. Yeah, 
I Are believe. you sure? Now they hang out. I'm pretty sure. I, I, they hang out all the time, though. So I'm, they're probably both pedos. Yeah. <laughs> if I were to yeah, bet, I, I, I would just yeah, but a so, couple of creeps. Yeah, it's. I don't think it's like they're actually pe- pedos. Like again, art. So they have all this really interesting art in their house, which is like is it sexualizing children is it not sexualizing children you know it's like i went to law school with uh, a girl named virginia mann who is sally mann's daughter sally mann got really famous for her pictures of her like virginia she's a famous photographer she got really famous for her pictures of her like life on her virginia farm and she takes naked pics of her kids right of her two daughters one of whom was virginia mann who I knew, who uh, I tried to get with in law school very unsuccessfully because <laughs> she's she's pretty attractive. But, you know, she was one of these kids who had was getting pictures taken of her. And you look at these pics that Sally Mann took and it's like they're not super innocent. Like there is something in them yeah. that is like slightly like it's slightly on the border of like sexualization. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is something that art has always done. Art, art is always messing with taboos. This is the ultimate taboo. And I do think like somebody like Podesta, you know, he's having the Jeffrey Dahmer victim statue in his house. Like in the high art world, it's like, that's really gross and disgusting, but it's also like high art people are always doing this. They they always want this like creepy, slightly creepy thing. Like that, it always has this edge, this slightly creepy edge to it. Which I don't necessarily think they means they are an international network of pedophiles, right? It just means that they. But it means they're all they're all Satanists, though. Yeah. Well, right. No, I mean they in a way. Maybe they are. Yeah. Right, because they're going to this border. They're going. They're trying. They want to transgress. They want to transgress, and they have to transgress more and more and more in order to like get their fix, which is satanic in a way, right? If you can't, you know, if you don't have the discipline to control yourself and you're just going deeper and deeper into these disgusting things, um, yeah, that in a way is Satanism, right? I mean, that's the definition of it. It's, it's, it's uh, sadomasochism. You know, you're, you're good. You're having to go further and further into the darkness in order to feel something. Mm. Yeah. doesn't sound like a great time. <laughs> Um. Hey, well, what was your take on that whole thing, Pizzagate? Pizzagate. Um. Well, yeah. I mean, it was like I was saying before. There was there was a lot of sort of nonsense mixed in, and probably a lot of that might have been intentional to you know, because there probably was some truth. I mean, I think there are. I mean, look at the Epstein stuff. There's there's elite pedophilia stuff going on. There's people that are getting away with it, and there's people that are probably being intimidated or murdered behind the scenes to cover it up. Like all this, I mean, it's gangster stuff here we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So large scale. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just think like when you got power, you got corruption, like governments are like it's very even in America where we're supposedly much less corrupt than places like China or or elsewhere. And we are to an extent. um, But at the same time, we're not uh, we're not some shiny beacon of hope. Like we have a lot of disgusting things going on in our country and um, a lot of people getting away with it. Um, there's a lot of corruption and I just think people are sort of blinded by the left right paradigm and, and you know like look we got corruption on both sides and we got a lot of really bad people um, calling shots for us and it doesn't need to be this way yeah Um. right okay let's switch gears here slightly to talk about world cup virtue signaling slightly All right. topic so um, 
being in international comms, tell tell me about your experiences with the World Cup. So, yeah, I've actually been to the World Cup for work, for business. I went in 2018. At the time, I was working in Shanghai. I had a, a client who was a sponsor, uh, Vivo Smartphone. They're currently a sponsor at this Guitar World Cup. You'll see their, you'll see their logo there in the rafters. Um, so Vivo is a smartphone company. They don't sell phones in the States, but they're very big in Southeast Asia. They're like number one or number two in a lot of markets like like india is one of their biggest markets for example it's like a billion people you know so a ton of people know this brand a ton of people use these phones maybe not so much in america so i work with them they they sent us to russia for a couple of weeks it was probably like the most fun business trip i've ever been on it was so much fun like we got to go to all these games we were creating content for the brand you know on site and it's not like we're sponsoring players it's not like we're there like taking photos of players we're about we're more about capturing the ambiance the, the 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 kind of spirit of the event and the atmosphere and you know they had like a brand center there and they had one of those like hot chick djs you know you know like that that kind of influencer hustle uh they had this like russian chick who was djing there and it was just i mean it was this kind of fun you know it's safe brand stuff that you know that they do at these kind of events so it was just creating content in around these games and and seeing a lot of Russia and it was, it was awesome. Um, now it was very, it was very frustrating. Like sometimes the client expectations, like, like a Chinese brand communicating in English to the globe, they have like all these hangups. I would say like, if you look at Hisense right now, Hisense is like, well, it's in their slogan for this world cup. They're number one in China, number two globally. Like their, their slogans, like number one in China, number two in the globe. And I saw this tweet today. This guy was tweeting like, why would you just tell people you're number two? It's like, everybody's just going to go look at who's number one and which is Samsung, you know? So um, like they came up with that. That's their big idea for World Cup sponsorship. How much money do they spend to be a sponsor? And they're like, hey, number one in China, number two worldwide, buy us. Like they could have sent a message that, you know, connected with people on, on a more emotional level, maybe say something that people care about rather than something that your boss cares about. Like, so I, f I feel like a lot of these companies like that are doing these sort of things, they have like middle management who's managing the expectations of their stupid boss. And like the boss doesn't really have good ideas or doesn't really know what they're doing. They don't even speak English, but they're in charge of like global marketing or something. And, <laughs> you know, you, you find this a lot um, with with companies in that part of the world. So uh, my experience with, with World Cup was a lot of fun, but there was a lot of frustration for some of the kind of typical um, China meets the world advertising uh, uh, hiccups, you know. Right. So was there, what year was this? 2018. Okay. So recently. So was there a lot of virtue signaling type shit there? Was everything rainbow flag? Was there, so, so actually... Mm -hmm. Most of the virtue no, signaling, was we're yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> they, they didn't do that shit. So most of the virtue signaling we're seeing now is kind of actually more the teams than the brands, right? Yeah, or the brands that are boycotting. Yeah, I mean, there's those and like well, Lucas what brand, Aid. Are any brands boycotting this? Well, yeah, some British brand like Lucas Aid is one of the British ones. They it's they it's like a, a drink, like a vitamin drink, and they pulled all their advertising out of it. They they're one of the ones that's like they kind of stuck to their guns like, hey, we have these values. We're not going to support this. Um, and so they really pulled all the advertising. They're not associated with it at all. So, they're, you know, that was a PR story. That, you know, that, that's a story that makes some noise. Oh, we're pulling yeah, out. Yeah. They, yeah. yeah. But then yeah. with like BrewDog, like wasn't like BrewDog in the UK. They basically like we're not going to do ads or we're not going to sponsor it or we're not going to do something. But they still have like 
brick and mortar bar locations and they're still showing the games at the bar. So they're still having some association. So they're trying to virtue signal, but they're not really pulling completely out. They're like, well, the people still want to watch the game. They want to drink my beer. Come on in. You know, it's like, so, you know, there's a lot of these inconsistencies. I mean, I'm not on with the woke stuff. It's not my thing, but I do appreciate consistency. Like if you have values and you stick to them, I like that. But Coca-Cola they're like one of the biggest sponsors and the, what they do all this, like all this internal training stuff. That's very much, you know, DNI related. It's, it, you know, they probably have some diversity officer calling a lot of shots in terms of how employees should act and behave, what trainings they should go to. So they have all this stuff about their values. Like these are the values we need to uphold. And it's important that every one of you employees also upholds those values. By the way, we're sponsoring a Qatar World Cup where they, they um, don't allow gays to to marry. And in fact, they might they might even chuck stones at them if they if they were to catch them in public. Um, now we are sponsoring that event, but I would like you to attend. Don't forget we have a DNI training on Monday. Um, I would like you to be there 9 a.m. Um, yeah. So like that's I I that kind of inconsistency is just so yeah. uh, like give the me a break. Yeah, the yeah. really is is drives me crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we actually have so besides these couple small brands you've mentioned, we actually haven't seen a ton of uh like brand action. Yeah, I think there's a, a few of them are signing up for the pledge, you know, the, the human rights <laughs> pledge that they, you know, they have to give money to some oh, organization that shakes them down. The human rights pledge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they signed the human rights pledge. Oh, uh, good for them. Yeah. yeah. Right. Whereas like the money goes to some, certainly doesn't go to those migrant workers. I'll tell you that. Uh, because then they <laughs> don't have to be migrant workers anymore. Um so, uh, yeah, no, it, it is the hypocrisy is just really astounding. And, you know, nobody nobody had the balls to actually pull out of the event. No big brand was like, oh, no, we're not actually we're not going to do this. You know, some little. Yeah. Brand. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh-huh. it's, it's sort of like, well, the people are there, like the people that like soccer, the many hundreds of millions, they didn't choose to bribe uh anybody they or get bribed you know so maybe they would like they they try to justify in their head well the people still are watching they you know they had nothing to do with this fifa corruption so we're gonna put the we're gonna put our brand where the eyeballs are but then you could say the same about twitter with like if you have a problem with elon taking over you a bunch of brands pulled advertising there you know and that then they're struggling as a result but it's like well hey the people are still there the people had nothing to do with that the users are still on twitter you're just your beef is with elon so it's like the same logic. It's like, why are you pulling your money out of Twitter, but not the World Cup, you know, or, you know, right. that kind of yeah. thing. Right. Well, and it always comes down to the same line, right? It's always they're always in support of the liberal causes and always not in support of the nationalist causes, basically. Right. Um, so they're always willing to sacrifice in one sense and not in the other sense. Uh, so. Um, you know, it's funny that. I actually wanted to ask you as a media guy about Twitter. What do you think is going to happen? So say all these advertisers keep their money out, right? What are all the, so, so right now, you know, 90% of Twitter's revenue, like most of web two is advertising. Advertising, you know, Twitter advertising has never been a great conversion source of conversion for brands right i mean they're kind of pissing their money away on the platform is that right it it depends it it works for some like some very niche brands and i think for like fast food brands i think they like because if you're just browsing twitter like real time you're catching like and you see a little wendy's ad or something you there's a wendy's in every neighborhood so it's like i think when you got like a, a when you're a nationwide 
place with retail locations everywhere and people can easily just pop over. I think Twitter is effective for driving that kind of traffic. Um, but yeah, if you're like, uh, well, like a TV comp, you're selling Sam, you're Samsung and you're selling TVs, you know, there's better platforms to advertise, you know? Right. So these brands that are pulling their money from Twitter, do you think that they're going to lose a lot? Like, are, or is Twitter basically being propped up by them because they want to control Twitter? Yeah. Yeah. They don't, I mean, they feel like they're, they will lose control of the narrative. I mean, this guy's going to bring back Donald Trump and he, and he, and he did, you know, so that, that's, I think the mentality, they think he's dangerous and, oh, we can't support that. We're going to punish him. We'll pull our money out. We're all going to go to Mastodon now. Yeah. And yeah. yeah right. Um, yeah. And um, so that's, that's what's going on. I, I, I've been advising my clients, Hey, just, just chill, just wait and see, you know, everybody's freaking out, but let's just wait and see like uh, Elon, said he's going to make some changes, you know, uh, with, with, uh, moderation and he's, he's looking for new ways to make money. He doesn't want to be so beholden to advertisers. So, I mean, right off the bat, he's all talking about that $8 Twitter blue thing. And so he's, he's already looking for other ways to monetize. So he's not as beholden to advertisers, but he's going to need to have advertisers yeah. to, to maintain revenue. And I'm, I'm, we're still spending like with my clients, we're doing ads on Twitter where we haven't stopped. Um, and it's important, like, we, this is for some consumer tech companies, like, in the PC gaming scene. So Twitter, I think, has a lot of gaming uh, gamers, you know, a lot of gaming content creators. So it's relevant for that space. So we haven't left because the gamers are still there. So what, uh, what kind of ROI is a brand getting from advertising on Twitter? It, yeah, I mean, again, it's like, depends what kind of brand you are what when i'm using twitter for with the brands i work with we, we're usually doing more brand awareness kind of stuff creating letting people know that you know about this brand or this product and making people uh get driving some kind of interest or or getting them to consider us you know like uh, telling them about how some product feature can solve some problem in their life or something like that you know um so, so we're usually at that. What, are, what are the K kpis of awareness Right. So, yeah, so it's the upper funnel. So it's like we're trying to track awareness by how many people see it. So it's impressions or or video views or reach uh, Twitter. They don't do reach. They do impressions. And you could do video views as well if you got video content. So that's, you know, a, a gauge of, you know, how many people saw it. And then you can look at the engagement or traffic as, a, you know, what's the rate of people actually taking some sort of action after seeing it? You know, you can measure those sort of things um, with it. But it's very basic. It's not sales. You know, it's not we're not we're not being judged on how many sales we're driving. We're just trying to create that awareness. Usually we're doing it on the global level. And then the regional markets, they they might try to do more of those uh, sales-driven campaigns, try to bring bring the consumer through the lower funnel and, and kind of close the sale at the end. Yeah, conversions. So yeah. Why, why have Facebook, people ask me this question all the time, and I think I have an answer, but why have Facebook and Google manage to figure out their ad platforms in a way that makes them really profitable and twitter hasn't because well, it's you know 85 percent of digital advertising is google and facebook including instagram and then twitter gets this paltry little trickle like why is that it's a, the amount of users in there i mean like twitter is very american centric so if you're a global advertiser it it in america is not a key market it's instantly irrelevant unless you're in japan where twitter is like the most popular <laughs> twitter still like dominates in japan um uh but you know um 
Facebook's got like a billion people. Uh, Google's got even more. Like YouTube has has more. I mean, so they just there's a lot of people who use the product. The eyeballs are there, so they can bring in more advertisers. Um, I would say Google's ad. I don't. I really hate the interface of the Google Ads platform. They've changed it a bunch of times. I, they never made it the good. AdWords. You mean like, like as. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it used to be called AdWords. Now it's just called Google Ads. But like, I actually like Twitter's like ad interface, like the actual advertiser platform. Like, I think it's a pretty good system. It's just, it's just a smaller audience, and it's usually more niche. And and the thing about Twitter, there's usually influential people who are using it actively, spending time there. Journalists, yeah. celebrities, right. influencers. So they're they're usually spend more time on Twitter than the average you know, American or whatever. So you're reaching influential people too. You can do sort of very targeted campaigns. Like, like we got CES coming up in Las Vegas, right? There's going to be all these announcements, all the journalists covering that who are on the ground at CES, they're all going to be on Twitter all day. So if you want to influence a tech journalist, maybe get their attention, get them to talk about you as a tech company, you should be using social media. You should be using Twitter to engage with them. You should be finding what they're doing, you should be interacting with them in some way on social to, you know, to create that awareness with that influential person who can then influence more people who may hear about it. That's not an ad, right? You're talking about organic interaction. Yeah, I mean, do yeah, I mean, I do that. It's it's all about brand communication uh, for for us. Like that's what I do. So it could be advertising, it could be like a paid ad platform. But yeah, I guess you were asking about like the ad spend, right? Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's other ways to use Twitter to your advantage. I think it's an important space for brands, but as like an ad spend, yeah, it's it's just because it's a smaller platform. There's just gonna be so fewer these eyeballs. brands that are pulling their money. I mean, I guess the really mm-hmm. scary thing, right, is the the scary thing for everybody in on both sides is to imagine that these big advertisers pull their money, thereby essentially making Twitter worthless because it doesn't make any money with no ads. And they don't notice any difference in the bottom line, meaning they pull all this ad at these ad dollars and then nothing changes. Their stale sales stay exactly the same, which would mean mm. that all this Twitter advertising they're doing is completely worthless. Like, do you yeah. think that, that there's a potential of that? And, and if that is the case, what does that say about the backbone of the entire internet, which is all ad based stuff? Mm. Yeah, that might not work out good. I mean, I think a lot of these companies, they they can calculate the ROI a lot of the time um, from some of these campaigns. So, um, you know, the, it's not always the case where they're just throwing money into the dark and they're like, oh, did it come out profitable? Um, so Twitter's just a smaller place and it's a niche place. So it's like they, they've never been able to attract as many dollars. And I don't know what they're going to do um, to stay relevant. I mean, Elon's going to be looking for other ways we'll see how he we'll see what he does yeah well hopefully we can create a network of based marketing that's what we're doing yeah all new companies willing to spend the thing is they just don't have the money of the global brands and uh Mm -hmm. it is interesting though because i kind of have this i imagine that they're going to pull all their money and they're going to realize that none of these twitter ads did a goddamn thing like it literally i I feel like they're going to just be like none of this did anything and you know it makes it's going to make zero impact on the bottom line and then what they're going to realize if they don't already realize it is what they're really doing is they are doing this so that they can dictate the speech on the platform this is why they're pay- they are basically funding twitter not because they're getting ROI from ads they're funding it so mm-hmm. they can control the narrative like that is why yeah. they're paying for these ads because it gives them the power to control who's on there 
more or less. Yeah, if you're a big if you're a big spender on Twitter, their account people take good care of you. I got a client. Um, they're not even one of the biggest spenders, but they um they spend and they have good good service people at Twitter on the ad side. And they if we're getting like we're getting attacked by trolls several months ago on this this one brand and like just so many and they were like making fun of like some like our community manager and they were like trying to like dox them and do personal attacks on this community manager and stuff and it was getting ugly for the brand. And um, Twitter just like they like we told them, hey, look at these accounts here. We made a list of like 100 troll accounts, like within minutes, they're all gone, they're deleted. They, ah, they, they, yeah, they, really? they they go and yeah, they're like hitmen. They take out these accounts, the snap of a finger, you know, like well, Facebook they, wouldn't they do that. Yeah, Facebook and Instagram wouldn't do that. They don't give a shit about you. Twitter, really? they, they they take care of their 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 clients. Yeah, yeah. Twitter. Oh, I actually, that's I, really I mean, interesting. From an advertiser perspective, I, Twitter's like, I like them. Yeah. Wait, so but what were the were these troll accounts trolling you? They were trolling the brand. The brand, yeah. And honestly, I was like, my advice to the brand was like, well, don't, you know, let's just ignore them or lean into it and have some fun. You know, that was my advice. I, I'm not the one who's like, go ban these accounts. I'm not that kind of guy, but like, that's what the client wanted at the end. They're like, no, we want to like, like, just get rid of these people. But did, was and the, the entire- and Twitter were, did it for them. Were these accounts though- like, did they have existences besides to just troll? Were they entirely just like trolling? Was their whole just to control troll the brand? Yeah, there's a subculture of people who just troll brand accounts, and there's some kind of this. There's a whole lingo they have where it's like blocked equals I own you. Like that's they all like write that in their profile. It's like if oh. if you if you're a brand and you block me, it means I owned you or something like that. That's like so they get off on like getting blocked by the brands, causing a stir and. There's some kind of a so like a lot of them are fans of this rapper named like NBA Youngboy or something. I don't know. There's there's some association with him with this community. I, I don't know. I, I got introduced to this community because they started trolling one of our brands, and I thought it was kind of funny to be honest. <laughs> like, but my my client was not happy about it, and you know they're the ones who pay the bills. So, um, what do they do? What, they, and what what do they do? And what does it have to do with NBA Youngboy? I don't know what it has to do with him, but they all like reference him in their profiles. I don't know why I tried to do <laughs> investigation into why, like maybe he, maybe this guy's a troll. I don't know. I don't actually know why, but like, there's this whole like community. They, I bet they got a forum or a group chat somewhere where they coordinate. Um, Cause like we'd ban a hundred accounts and then the next day they'd respawn. They're like a lot of probably the same people with a new account. They get a burner phone, verify their account with Twitter and, I know a lot of trolls, like, you know, and I, they, they like to coordinate on Telegram. Um, I know how trolls operate, you know. So what do they actually do? Like, what is the trolling of the brand? Like, what's their, what are they saying? Well, they started, like, so this brand, like, they do this weird thing with, like, with community management and customer service. Like, they have a, a team in Asia who does the customer service specifically. So they don't do, like, the sassy brand stuff. They're more like, oh, you have a problem, let me help you. Well, let's get into DMs and, you know, I'll get this sorted. So, and they're all in Asia and they all sign off every tweet with their name. Like, they write their name there. So they um, they started going after this one community manager. Like, I'm not going to say the person's name, but they, like, kept referencing their name and they're, like, kind of, a, like, making fun of this person. They kept attacking this individual who who works for the, you know, this brand. So um, they were just really annoyed by the, the brand was, and they were just, they, they didn't want any of it. They're like, we got to get rid of these trolls. They didn't want other consumers seeing the content and seeing that all the comments were trolls that, like, scared them. I'm like, look, man, you're getting engagement. 
this is an engagement. It You're getting some, good, some right. buzz here. Yeah, it's like you could you could use it. It's sort of like that martial arts where somebody comes and attacks you, you use their momentum against <laughs> them, you know? Like, it's like, that's you can do that with trolls and you can make a lot of noise and you can have some fun and they you can even get some respect from them. Like, if, if you're funny, if you make them laugh, you get a little respect. Like, I, I know how to deal with trolls. So, like, um, there's a way to do it, but a lot of my clients are just, they don't have the balls. Yeah, wow. That's fascinating. That's like I, we have to find out why NBA Young Boy is. What, what does he have to do with this? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, let's let's uh, get a little bit of World Cup talk in here before we're done. So, what are these teams doing? What are you we seeing these teams doing, and why are they doing it? Well, you sent me something funny, like the England team's taking a knee. Like, are they doing it during their anthem? Like, what? Like, yeah. So or are they just the doing England, it before the game? <laughs> so the England team is taking a knee. One of them, Harry Kane, who's like their star, tried to wear a gay armband and then was like, said he would get suspended if he did it. So he, of course, didn't. Wow. And uh, then we have the German football team is covering their mouths to say that they're not allowed to wear their one love rainbow headband. Well, they showed them. Yeah, they really did show them. And then the the Iran team didn't sing their national anthem because they're protesting. I don't even know what's going on in Iran. Well, they got real yeah. shit going on over there, don't yeah. they? <laughs> well, so what, the CIA is staging a revolution? We're taking a, we're taking a knee to sort of like keep like the last flicker of this george floyd candle burning they're like trying to like keep that like the fire from 2020 going well, no, no, like, no, what no. do we you didn't actually even get like, to that yeah. we didn't even get yeah, yeah. oh yeah no so the, that's the the world the england players are kneeling and everybody yeah. was saying like why are you kneeling what, like, right <laughs> what, what, what yeah. are you kneeling for and there was really no answer like the only answer the team said was like because inclusivity is important it's like, what the fuck does this and? have to do with like George Floyd? It's like, what? I, it's not even the same country, you know? And yeah, so they want to do they <laughs> these Europeans. They talk so much trash on us. They want to be us so bad. They 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 always like about like, oh, yeah, we're like diverse, like immigrant society like America. And, you know, we like to we like to just get down on a need or an anthems, you know, like they, they love that stuff. Like they want to be like progressive Americans so bad. No, but come on. Are we really pretending that this decision is coming from the players themselves? Are we are, no. are really like in the locker room? These guys are, I mean, yeah. we, we've been listen in up, boys. Room. Yeah, listen up, boys. It's time <laughs> to take a stand. <laughs> what? Like, like, we know what locker room talk is, right? Locker room talk is the most racist, homophobic, literally gay jokes are the entire basis of being in the <laughs> locker room. That's like, that's all you do is gay jokes. So we're supposed to suddenly believe that in the past like 10 years, these locker rooms have like changed and everybody's like, really, they're sitting around like kumbaya, like planning out how they can stand up against homophobia. Like what? Well, they have a, sure they have an, they're, include, the they have they're an, so racist to each other in these fucking, I mean, like, dude, every black person I've ever played a sport with, it's all fucking t talking shit about each other's race. Like that's how you connect. It's like funny. You know, that's what you, we do. So yeah. like, well, they, they they might have an inclusion officer in each locker room that, to well, I mean, you know to enforce. Be, right? uh, yeah, no, I'm seeing it's all the same thing. Even the Iran not singing shit. It's like, what is, I don't know. What, so can what is going on in Iran? Enlighten me about Iran. I don't even. Really I wish know. I could enlighten you, but I just know it's <laughs> women in hijabs. Or that's all I know. Women and women not liking hijabs. 
not my business, not my country. I haven't really read up on it much. There's always something going on in Iran. So it's the I same thing, but- right? It's the same cause. It's it's all women's rights, gay rights, inclusivity. It's all the same fucking thing. Look, I don't know what's happening in Iran. I'm not trying to say that they're being manipulated. Maybe these players really do care in that sense. I don't know. But it sure is a coincidence that every single one of these teams seems to have the same agenda. Yeah, but they actually have like like more oppressive laws like that are discriminatory in in that country, right? Like, well, but are we supposed whereas to like we're taking a, a knee in England. Players? What? Like, well, it's just you compare that like 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 let's say there's a mandate where women have to wear a hijab, like where it's like us having to wear masks during COVID or something, you know? Like you have that kind of mandate on one group of people in the country, whereas England, it's like we're taking a stand against uh, against racism and we want to do inclusive inclusivity. Let's take a knee. Um, in 2022 like what what law do they have in england that's like hard, making it hard for like women or <laughs> color like what, yeah. like what are they protesting you know like but there's like an actual like power structure in iran that people are protesting against you know like there's something more to it whether you agree or not you know like i think it's different yeah but we're supposed to believe that every single one of these players on this team has the same perspective on this like aren't these players from the common people of Iran, surely there are many Iranians who believe in Islamic law. Surely mm. there are many who believe in Sharia law, right? So, like, surely well, maybe they all there suck are at some soccer. players on the on the uh, England team, or there are some people in England who don't believe there are inclusivity problems, right? Mm. Like, why are all of these players having the same opinion? Like, like, aren't, aren't, don't these players, aren't some of them conservatives? Aren't some of them believers in Sharia law? Like, what, who is forcing them all to have the same opinion? We're, we're, we're like pretending, it's like kind of like the Kyrie everything. We're pretending that every player in the world has the same opinion about politics. Yeah. Like, why, yeah. why is that happening? I don't know. I wish I could tell you. Like, I guess the, I mean the coaches got to be on board, but there's probably some. I mean, there's probably a higher influence involved. It's like you know, there's a whole thing like we got to generate some PR. You know, a lot of these are publicity stunts and things like that. Like we need to we need to create that World Cup moment. Yeah, yeah. that's what it is. They're trying to create a World Cup moment with the show. This is our World Cup oh. moment, and we're gonna take a stand. We're here. Yeah, we're here, and we're queer, and. But, we're still here, even though we're queer. We didn't boycott it, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. We're here and we're queer, and we're we're trying to stand up and say something, but we're not actually, you know. It's just so strange. It's like they they were like, "This is how we can say something." The brands can't skip it. The brands can't, you know. We can't actually sacrifice anything. We can't not go to the games, but somehow we're going to get through to these players. Do you think they're getting paid off? Do you think the players are getting paid to do this? I think it's just they probably like, hey, we're doing this and it's part of the job. Go do it. You know, if you want to keep working. I mean, I don't so think they're threatening people. Them? It's like, you're you're out of here if you don't do it. I don't think there's like that going on. It's more just implied. It's like, look, this is, you know, a requirement if you're part of the team. But who is telling them this? Probably the coach, but I'm guessing it wasn't the coach's idea, though. But I mean, the coach is not like it's basically the coach is like a manager, like a middle manager. You know, there's got to be some some other powers involved. I wish I could tell you who's pulling all these strings, but um. I don't know, man. I'm not in these yeah. boardrooms. Well, I think the reason why sports is so susceptible to this stuff is because uh, athletes generally are like trying to stay focused. Like I'm sure the coach and the players is like, they're trying to stay focused on the game. 
So when mm. some asshole comes to them and is like, we're going to need you to do <laughs> some dumb shit. I mean, either they are getting paid or they're just like, all right, the coach is just like, look, we're just doing this. Don't think about it. You know, you know like we, we don't want to get yeah. involved in this fight because then it's going to cause a bunch of problems. It's going to be, we're not going to be able to focus, et cetera. You know? So I think that that's why sports players are susceptible to this kind of like mm. they're all woke thing, which is like because they're just they're so hyper focused on the game that they yeah. just have no fucking time for this shit. They're like, I, you know, look, I don't give a fuck about politics. Just like leave me alone. You know, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. I need to focus on winning. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, another funny thing about the World Cup, I've been I was scrolling like some keywords on Twitter, world cup advertising, world cup sponsor to see what people are saying. And people keep making fun of crypto.com. Cause they're like, they're um, their names there. in like the Raptors, like right by the field. So you keep seeing crypto.com, but there's this whole FTX thing. And there's just a lot of, there's not a lot of confidence in crypto right now, not necessarily Bitcoin, but crypto, you know, it's so crypto.com advertising is making a lot of noise. Really? Like, wait, that's still a thing. Did they prepay? And are they out of money now? Are they dead? Like nobody really knows what's going on. Like nobody has any faith in this company, even though they're this huge sponsor. Yeah, but so is crypto.com like are they an exchange like FTX or are they just like uh I don't use them. Yeah. yeah. The we only exchange I've only used like Coinbase and as an exchange and you know I bought Bitcoin on Snapchat just to try it out, you know. That's that's all I do. I never use crypto.com or FTX. Yeah. How do you like Coinbase? Yeah, I mean, I would if you're if you have Bitcoin or something else like have your own storage for it. Don't leave it in a Thing, a place like Coinbase, because you know, what if Coinbase is the next FTX and you right. lose all your money? Like, yeah. why shouldn't it be? Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I, I, I would, you know, I use their service before. I'm not like some big advocate of them, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, Crypto.com. Like, yeah, did they buy this out? And does anybody actually use Crypto.com? I mean, you know, we the Staples Center is still called Crypto.com Arena. So like, you know, yeah, the FTX Arena. The, yeah, isn't that? Isn't there an FTX arena or something there like There was, that? but they took yeah. it out, you know? Oh. Good and my joke is they just replaced it with CIA, which is the real, <laughs> force, the real force behind it. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool, man. Well, anything else to talk about with regard to World Cup or Balenciaga? Or... I actually was really interested to hear what you had to say about the Twitter, like the, you know, your, in, your experiences with Twitter. I should clip that part out. Mm. That's interesting. Well, I, I thought it was, the, the, you know, Mike Cernovich tweeted this thing today about alcohol at the World Cup. And he's like, yeah, I think they made the right call. Us Westerners, we're so obsessed with alcohol. And, you know, Budweiser's like probably the biggest sponsor of the event. And they didn't know until like 48 hours in advance that they were pulling the, the, the plug on booze at the stadium. So Budweiser's like, hey, we're advertising our product here. You can't even buy it. So I wonder how they're feeling. Um, and they tweeted about it like, well, this is awkward. They did a little sassy tweet, got, you know, made some noise with that. But um, what do you, th I mean, when I was at World Cup in 2018, like Cernovich is there talking to these Westerners, like, oh, you're, you're a bunch of drunks and you're causing all this noise at World Cup. When I was at World Cup, it was mostly Latin American people. And this was in Russia four years ago. If you go to any World Cup anywhere in the world, most of the fans that are there are going to be from a Latin American country. Uh, I was walking around St. Petersburg 
every street corner, there's some guy with a Bluetooth speaker playing Mexican polka. It's like I'm in Texas at home, or something, <laughs> you know, like that's and, and they're all getting drunk and having a good time. Like, I mean, it was pretty rowdy. And they all have chants and like every Latin American country is chanting except for Argentina. They're all chanting this America Latina, menos Argentina. It's like like America, the Latin America, except for Argentina. They're all like, why do they say that? Why is that? Their they, they all hate Argentina. I don't know why uh, they all they all hate them. Um, so like it's it's pretty rowdy and fun. And so all these drunkards that Cernovic should be talking to are Latin Americans. He should have done the tweet in Spanish or something like that's that's who he, he's that's his audience. Like those are the people who go to World Cup and get really wasted. So does you know, he this, not this whole, drink? I don't know. He's always trying to be a contrarian like, you know him. Well, dude, trying to say, I recently, so. speaking of Cernovic, came across the article of him fucking a tranny. He fucked a tranny. Oh, yeah, dude. There's a there's like a deep cut blog from him uh, describing getting really fucked up and banging a tranny. And he describes it in like extreme detail. Mm. And he tries to pass it off uh, as I was really drunk. But it's like, <laughs> no, bro. No. <laughs> and like I was really high on Oxy or some shit. And I'm like, dude. I've been as drunk and high as you could possibly get. And I have never had sex. I would definitely not have sex with a transsexual man with the with Well, the- you could have performance issues with a woman. Like if you're if you're with a woman and you're not turned on or attracted, how are you gonna make it happen? You know, yeah. and, and he's yeah. drunk and he's yeah. on what is he on drugs too? I mean, yeah, drunk I that doesn't help. That doesn't help with, with the equipment, you know, yeah. either. So he was able to pull it off, <laughs> perform. <laughs> Right. And he's oh man, I was just drunk. I was just so I could I had no idea what was going on. It's like you can tell he wants to admit it, like he wants to get it off his chest. So he kind of describes it in this way. But man, I can't get it out of my head. I don't know, man. I don't know about Cerno, but a lot of these dudes are questionable. But he, you know, right. hey, he's seemed to figure out how to make money on it. So good for him. I mean, I follow him. I think he says interesting stuff from time to time. But you know, I I sure he's like one of those guys that can kind of be annoying. And I think he likes to, he likes to piss people off. He likes to get that reaction. You know, he likes so to be you that good contrarian at, role. He's like very, I've been working with a guy uh, who I mm-hmm. won't name like on the will Twitter, just trying to get that back going. And are you like this guy who I'm working with really is great at Twitter. Like he understands mm-hmm. exactly like when to tweet you did, you know, you retweet here, you quote tweet, you don't retweet, you know, this is the account you want to go after. Are you good at this shit? Like, do you understand the, cause I, for me, like, I do not understand the dynamics of Twitter at all. Like I've, I've managed to like grow my account to like 1200 people, but that's really just from Substack. you know, people find mm. like, I don't understand. Are you good at like the ins and outs of understanding Twitter? Well, I only have 900 fans. So on my personal account, so I'm not like some Twitter like savant or anything, but I, the thing is I don't treat my personal Twitter like work though. And, and, and I'm you so if I'm using Twitter, it's yeah, I don't, don't tweet really a lot. Tweet I, that yeah. Much. yeah, yeah, I don't tweet a ton. If I feel like I got something to say, I, I will, but like I, I do some replying. And I usually, if I look at my stats, like my best performing tweets, the, the best performing ones are always like a reply to some bigger tweet, you know. And I can, I can, I know how to make a reply like get some action. And that's a lot of the stuff I do with brands is like, no, you need to be in there replying to people. You need to be interacting. That's like part of, that's how you get cheap impressions on Twitter is just being in the reply section, you know? So what's your reply strategy? 
Uh, well, you got to look at like a, a tweet that's starting to rise. It's not like already prominent. It's like starting to come up and rise. And then you got to be one of the first to respond to it. And it's got to be a witty response. So when people, because everybody likes to look at the replies on Twitter, that's that's one of the user behaviors. So everybody's looking for that funny reply. So if you sh are more visible in the replies and, you know, people start liking and retweeting your tweet there, you know, you could become, you could get more eyeballs in the reply than the original tweet if it's good enough, you know. So how do you find the original rising tweet? Well, if I'm working, like, let's say I'm working with a gaming client, um, we might look at some new game title launches. And we're not a, let's say this brand is not a sponsor of those game titles. So we can't officially use their IP or anything, but we want to be in the conversation. So if like the brand is announcing it, we might reply to the brand. Or if there's some Twitter gaming, like influencer talking about it, we'll kind of monitor you know the recent tweets and we'll start to see which ones are starting to get some traction and we'll engage with those it's it's it takes a lot of care you got to be there in the moment it's very much in the moment this is like the real the real brand social stuff like i feel like a lot of our brands were doing these content plans a month in advance and like you're not being reactive if you're planning a month in advance on social social is all about being reactive to the moment so with twitter community management being a reply guy as a brand like that's where the real fun is that's where some of the action is you know that's kind of right. one of the funnest parts of the job, I would say. Right, which is like kind of back to what we were saying before, where it's like actually the best shit on Twitter is not advertising. It's just interacting. You know, that's where you're yeah. really going to get the most out of it anyway. Um, yeah, it's interacting with 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 the right people, too. It's like it's it's a lot of people with influencer on Twitter, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Cool, man. Well, this was great. A lot of fascinating stuff. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. I've been listening. I'm a, a long-time listener, first-time guest. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, the podcast, I don't know. Uh, I don't know the deal with the podcast. I don't. Do you think I need an intro music? Or should, do you like that it just goes right in? I, I kind of like that. I mean, if you, if you know Dick Masterson, and he's based in L.A., um, his he does a couple podcasts. So he's got The Dick Show and he's got um, The Biggest Problem in the Universe. Both shows, like, it's just the starts. There's no it, – it's like they're in the middle of a conversation when it starts. And you're like <laughs> – you know, and then, and then when it ends, it just ends abruptly too. So, like, sometimes when you got the autoplay on your I, iPhone – it just goes into the next podcast and you don't even notice. Like you just yeah. think it's the same show. So like, <laughs> I kind of, I like, I kind of like that. It's a little different. It's like, okay, like, you know, no bullshit. Let's just get no to bullshit. it. You know, yeah, that's, that was yeah. kind of my idea, but I don't know. It's, it's funny. Like when I write the, the, the Substack written posts are like, I get tons of engagement. I get tons of traffic. It's great for Twitter, but the podcast it doesn't seem like, you know, I like I do the podcast just to support the writing, just to have something mm. constantly going in to talk to cool people and like you, you know, and get good info. But um, yeah, it's almost like the podcast is kind of procrastination for the writing. You know what I mean? Mm. So it's like part of me thinks like maybe I should just do less podcasting, but I don't know. My, my advice now, this would, this might be hard to get, gain an audience over time, but I would do the podcast live. Like what we're doing, this becomes a live stream and that way yeah, you're giving people like yeah. you get the fear of missing out. It's like, Ooh, it's live right now. I better tune in. They're going to say something wild. And you know, that, that like a lot of live streamers and then it becomes interactive. You have an audience, they comment so you can react to the audience in real time. So the podcasts, you know, it becomes a bit more fun. I think when you have the audience though, if you have like two viewers, might not be as well but and do you, you think yeah. do that on youtube youtube twitch um rumble 
you know, a lot of so alt tech platforms now too, you know. Yeah, so like do it on Rumble and then just like share the link on Twitter or something, right? That's mm. how you do it. Yeah, yeah. So be being on a platform where people could sort of like that are already there, like Rumble. People might already be on Rumble. They see somebody's live, so they might tune in. So you get that discovery angle, and That's then you get idea. your own audience. Yeah, like then you have your own audience where you you know you just push the tweet, Telegram account, push notification. Yeah, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, we did do one. I did do one um, live stream. And we had like 20 people on there participating, which was cool. We I actually did it as a Twitter space. And then we just recorded mm. Twitter space. Yeah. You know, and then I posted it as a as a um, as a podcast. Would you then post it as a podcast afterwards? Is that what people do? They yeah. like turn the live stream, then they post it. Yeah, like like my buddy Ethan Ralph, like he does the the kill stream. Um, that's what he does. Like he's streaming sometimes nine, twelve hours a day, wow. and um, yeah, and he he doesn't put everything into like the podcast feed, but he's got a show. Yeah, he'll he he puts it in there. So like you know, the next day or two days later, people listen. might get the podcast feed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but the excitement is live because that's like that's there's a there's a whole fear of missing out angle when you when you're live. I think that's a great call. I think I should just mm -hmm. switch this to basically live conversations that then I just post on Substack afterwards as, as uh thanks. And then people can give the, you know, the super comments and shit. Right. I should just yeah. do it on and then, Rumble, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd get on YouTube and, and uh, Twitch just, you can do it where it, it all streams to multiple places at once. Like you, oh, you really? use OBS. And then you just click a button and it goes to multiple platforms at once. And then, really? and then you could have like, then you could have like a separate monitor where you're looking at all the chats and all the different sites. And yeah, the streamers, they, there's a lot of stuff you can learn um, in this space. I'm, I'm still learning myself. So you can stream to YouTube and rumble at the same time. Yeah. That's what Ralph does. He streams to cozy TV. That's like a members, like you, you have to be invited to stream there. He streams there, Rumble, um, and then he used to do YouTube and Odyssey, and, uh, and he does Rockfin, too. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, good advice. Um, cool, man. Uh, well, thanks for coming on. Stay in touch. And, uh, yeah. Nate, well, where can we find you, Nathan? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Nady Bakes, Instagram at Nady Bakes, N-A-T-E-Y-B-A-K-E-S. Um, it's a nickname my wife gave me a long time ago um, that became my social media handle. So any, you know, any social media, you can hit me up there. Um, I don't always post. So, you know, it is what it is. You'll see. You'll see me every now and then. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, thanks for coming on. Talk to you later. Cheers, dude. Thanks for having me.